0: Hello and welcome back to the What The Fork Sunderland Preview Podcast. I'd like to say that things have improved since our last episode, but a 3-3 draw with Accrington, combined with another 1-0 defeat at home to Blackpool means that we're pretty much clinging on for dear life in the hope just to make the playoffs. But there is two more games left and then potentially playoffs and one win would definitely secure that playoff spot and our first shot at doing that will come with a big trip away to Plymouth Argyle this Saturday and to discuss what we're up against this weekend is huge Plymouth Argyle fan and of course writer for the Herald Stephen Stephen how are you doing mate are you all right yeah not too bad thanks for thanks for having me on no not a problem at all and um, first things first you've came back into League One this season you went out of it came back into it and you've got two games to go same as us you currently sit 18th no chance of going straight back down so no Northampton no Swindon how would you sum up the season? Yes, yeah, it's,
1: it's been a bit of a weird one. Um, I think it's you know uh, an outcome that if you'd asked any Argyle fan at the start of the season, uh, that what would have happened, they would have bit your hand off for it in terms of survival. Uh, I don't think anyone's any under under any illusion that uh, you know Argyle's main aim for the the season was to to be a, playing League One football uh, the season after. Um, you know, it's not a repeat of eighteen nineteen, for example, which you know went down on the last day, for example. So. Yeah, certainly, um, you know, mission accomplished in what has been <laughs> a freak year, um, you know, amid COVID and things like that. And I think, uh, you know, for a club like Plymouth size as well, but the bigger perspective has always been, uh, you know, the fact that the club's still afloat, but there's not been anyone kind of uh, gone out of business and things like that. So big picture as well, but certainly even looking at league performance and stuff like that, it's, it's been, you know, job done in terms of an Argyle um, point of view. Uh, there's a really interesting... Um, podcast the Ornstein and Chapman podcast in the Athletic where our chairman was on it recently and you know Argyle's ambition seems to be you know bigger than a season at a time as, as many clubs are as well so uh, yeah initially it's just job done uh, move on to next year but certainly a mixed bag in terms of results performances a lot really for, for Argyle.
0: Because of the way that you were sort of pushing if I remember rightly not too long ago so the outside of the playoffs, and we all we all know what this league can be like—a couple of wins, a couple of defeats—and you can zoom all around the league. But you weren't too far off the playoffs. Did that raise expectations ever so slightly that you could do better than just staying up? Yes, I mean, I think I think there's a time around, you
1: know, January, February, where we're really really getting to a, a good run of results together. And I think, like anyone, you know, you you get hopeful. You can do a Ala Wickham, for example, and, and push your push your way forward. However, I also think you know with a a slightly you know less green tinted specs on it and looking at it logically, you know the way that Argyle came up the signings that we've had, um, you know it was was to be realistic about it. Of course, there's the Ryan Lowe factor, and and you never know you know a relatively raw manager and young manager who's exciting, and you always think maybe that brand of football can take us further. But I'd also think that the brand of football can can lead to burnout, and I think that's what Argyle are seeing now. To be honest. You um, I, I can't really blame the players for being at, at the beach almost now. Um, but certainly, you know, a, a, a mixed run and a few bad results here and there. The biggest issue has always been our, de- our defence and it has been for a couple of years. And, and the way we play leaves us quite open. And I think teams, you know, began to work that out. And it just saw us kind of plummet down the
0: table. But as I say, if you'd asked any Argyle fan at the start of the season, they'd have, they'd have taken this and, and moved on. It's funny you mentioned about the um, the defence because, of course, going on to recent form, which I, I tend to try and get the last five games, it, it's fair to say it's been some horror shows. I think you've shipped nine goals in your last two and an average of 3.2 goals conceded over those last five games. Um, you've alluded to it a little bit, but what's kind of gone wrong in the most recent weeks?
1: Yeah, I mean, the way, the way I would sum up, actually, in terms of League One is that Argyle have had a similar problem the last couple of times have came up and that has been that the defense has remained relatively the same as to what it was in league two <laughs> which you know doesn't really bode well for the season ahead you know we've conceded 16 in the last five um you know we've lost nine games at 13 or something like that so it's been a really poor run for us um we've had you know a few injuries I, I think, you know, there's a, definitely a degree of fitness, but also the, the way that we play uh, can be overly exposed. Now, yes, we've, we've had, you know, we've shipped a lot of goals, but we've also had a, a hell of a run of fixtures, you know. We've had Hull and Oxford and, uh, you know, Italy Burton was just a sucker punch in the last minute uh, of an equaliser. And, of course, we had a, what I would say is a freak result, at, at Char- at, you know, Charlton winning 6-0, where, um, you know, it was just like everything they touched turned to gold almost. Um, so... Uh, yeah, I think looking at it, um, you know, with, with the with the fixtures we had, certainly you, you wouldn't have expected this to pick up a lot. But defensively, we're a bit uh, sixes and sevens. You know, we've got um, – and I think part of that as well is that Ryan Lowe's beginning to plan for next season. He's already openly said that uh, improving defence is a priority for next season. Uh, we've got um, – Ryan Law, who's a relatively young uh, left back, coming. In. He was on loan at Torquay, he was called back. Um, so I, I think part of it is he's tackling burnout in terms of uh, low. Sorry, I think that he's tackling burnout with the selection at, at the back, but also he's looking to next season. As you've already said, Argyle are mathematically up, um, and I think it's it's about testing the players we have, seeing who's worthwhile, sees who's who's willing to fight for a place. Um, I think that combined with, you know, the, the, a long season has, has really resulted in, uh, in some terrible performances, mainly at
0: the back for Argyle in, in recent games. When it comes to, to Plymouth's defence then, I suppose there's a few ways you can sort of look at bad form, and obviously we're looking at that at the moment, and, and we're trying to pick reasons apart for, for why we're on such a bad run of form. And I think sometimes when you look at a team, you know, you think, is it attitude? Are the players already at the beach? Is it, X, is it Y, is it Z? Sometimes the players that you've got in your squad are just not good enough for the level that the fans want to reach. Um, without being disparaging towards any players from Plymouth side too much, is it a case of maybe the players that you've came up with are just not quite the standard that are required for League One level? I, I wouldn't even say that it's it's not even the sort
1: of... I, w- I wouldn't say it's a case of the players you have aren't good enough for a League One level. I think it's a case of... We play expansive football, we we, we attack a lot, we, we leave ourselves exposed at the back. And if you're going to do that, you need to have, you know, players that are really built for that. Now, I think at League Two, you can get away with it a little bit more. Uh, you know, there's the, the clinical picking off, maybe doesn't happen as much. Um, so, yes, to an extent, I think that the players have been, you know, maybe at times not not excellent. Yeah. Um, And we've got a few players that, you know, are very divisive. For example, a lot of Argyle fans don't really like Williamson. You know, we've also got, you know, uh, Opuku on, I think he's on loan as well. Um, You know, so so there's a lot of players that are kind of, I, I feel like some of them are maybe a wee bit checked out, to be honest. Now, it's hard to 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 be too critical of that given the given the sort of the length of the season and the way it's panned out. But also I think, as I've alluded to as well, I think a lot of um of teams have just become aware of how Argyle play. And, you know, you make a mistake, the higher up you go, the, the more likely you are to get punished for it. Um so, so I think it's a combination I don't think there's anyone in particular that's, you know, letting the side down. I would never go that far from an Argyle point of view. Um I just think it's a case of you know, a combination of factors against, let's be honest, we're, we've been playing a lot of teams that are are pushing, or up there, you know, in, in terms of, you know, your Oxford, for example, and Charlton to some extent as well. So, I mean, we've been playing teams that have a lot to prove, and goal difference can make a big difference, attack to the last couple of minutes. So, yeah, it's it's just been a series of factors. I don't think there's a, a, a thing to exactly pinpoint. What I do think is beneficial, however, and, and really important is that, from an Argyle point of view, it's something that's being looked at, and, you know, uh, Lowe's made no sort of, he's not really shied away from saying that the defence is a priority and it needs worked on because every Argyle fan can see it. Um, so hopefully it's something we can work on for next season. The other thing we've not had uh, is a, a sort of, you know, Sonny Bradley or Curtis Nelson figure. You know, there's not been a real, um, you know, central presence, I think, you know, which we've had in the past. And it's a luxury item in, in the lower leagues. And it's something we... You know, we, we came up last time with Sonny Bradley and then he went off to Luton and we struggled. And I, I feel like <laughs> the lower down the leagues you go, it's harder to replace some key players, especially in, in important positions like centre-back. And I think that's been one of our a legacy issue, I guess.
0: Talking about the one big positive from Plymouth, I think we've sort of touched on it already, but Ryan Lowe has obviously been linked and touted for a few championship jobs this season, but he, he has remained with Plymouth and it was only a few years ago he was doing... A remarkable job with, with Berry, which obviously probably got more notoriety because of what sadly eventually happened towards, uh, to Berry. And, and the reason he kind of went to Plymouth, I suppose. Plus, I mean, the straightforward question would be, you know, how good of a manager is Ryan Lowen and, and why is he so good? I
1: mean, he's, he's a very good manager. Uh, it's, you know, there's that clip that, uh, you know, Sky, I think, had one of his team talks and, um, you know, he, he's certainly got the players playing a, a, a style of football that is refreshing. It's great to watch. Um, it's, it's attractive to the fans of oh, fill Stadiums when it's, it's safe to do so again. Um, so, yeah, he's, he's a very he's a very good manager. You just need to look at, firstly, the, the leaps and bounds that Argyll have came on, on under him. Um, playing football, but, you know, I mean, we had Derek Adams not long ago. I mean... Christ Almighty, it was it was turgid. It was it was effective, but it was turgid. And you 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 checked into some Argel games and you just went, right, we might be able to grind at a draw here or sneak a 1-0. Whereas, you know, I mean our, even our cup tie against um you know Sheffield United, uh, you know, we played great football. There was there was no denying that we come and regardless of who we're playing, we'll give them a game and we'll give it a bash. You know, we took Huddersfield on, and yes, it was a slightly um weakened Huddersfield side but I mean we played really you know we played championship level football against the championship side so the the stuff we've been doing and and the way and the progression we've came under under Lowe has been terrific There's obviously he's he's bought into what the club are are visioning for the future and and that's been fantastic uh some of the players especially you know the, the the attacking forwards that have came forward have been um, you know the, the development of them has been terrific. Uh, Luke Jeffcott, for example, is a, a, a name that needs no introduction to football league fans, um, and he's really came on leaps and bounds uh, under Lowe as well. And I, I think you know the, the testament to to Lowe is the fact that, as you said in your initial question, when a championship job is is coming, you know he is always there or thereabouts, um, and it's fine thanks to our chairman and the ambition of a club and the vision that has been presented to that he's, he's staying with Argyle. So long may it
0: continue. It's interesting you, you mentioned Jeff Cott there because um, I was sort of looking earlier at his form and how much it's improved. I know he's been off the boiler a little bit recently, um, but I looked at how he did in league two and I think it was something like seven goals in 14, which is certainly not bad, but, in comparison to like the 16, 17, 18 or so that he's got in, in the division higher is, is actually massive. But then I noticed he, he spent a little bit of time away on loan in, I think it was the, the Southern Football League Premier South, if it's the full name, at Truro. Um, so obviously, you know, over that season, that loan moving him, coming back, Ryan Lowe's had an awful lot to do with his development, I would assume, and, and I am assuming there, but how, how good is he at bringing sort of your younger players to or players that maybe have not been in the picture and, and getting them playing a much higher standard of football than what they were last year? Well, yeah, I, I think um, it's, it's obvious that the standard of football has improved, and, and
1: just a small thing, and again, it's testament to Ryan Lowe, is that Jeffcott didn't have a full season with Truro. You know, he, he was recalled by Lowe they he, he literally recalled him and said, you know, here's your chance to shine. So, I, again, it, it I mean, I wish I was a young footballer, but it must be absolutely disheartening if you get sent away and alone and you're there for the entire season and you know, regardless of what you do, you're not going to break through. Whereas uh, Jeffcott had, you know, he was, he was banging him in and Lowe said, well, you know what, now's your chance. We are We're not. You know, on all firing and all cylinders. Now is you know your your chance to shine. So again, it touches on your last question first and foremost. But is that is that sort of uh, you know overall management of a side? Not even just the starting eleven or the, the squad players. But is that overall management that um, Mo brings? In terms of the quality of football, I mean, I, I think it's now a case where players are coming in and they're they're signed up to a system, and we're finding players that fit into that. I, I'm, come in with a job to do and they know their roles and they can they can really bring it and and, and some of the stuff we've been playing is, is terrific and you know I think I think naturally when you see when you see our Argyll going up you know and trying to match teams like you know Premier League teams or Championship teams it's it makes them attractive uh, proposition to anyone that's watching many potential players that could be coming there or, or might be tempted to come there so Certainly, I think the style that Argyle are developing and you know the brand of football we're, we're bringing in is at times more important than the result overall uh, because it's the long-term vision that uh, Lowe's kind of part of and it's certainly helping bring in you know high-quality players and building an overall sort of um, ambition and ambitious aim at Argyle.
0: It certainly feels like that. Um, recently, with a lot of clubs, and I would have probably said it worked, Was have up until recently a club where, you know, results are the be all and end all, if I'm completely honest. But then it did feel like because we've been taken over and there was a plan being implemented with a new recruitment strategy and someone actually um, got appointed this week for that. That gives me a small bit of hope in a, a really bad run. Is the mood with Plymouth quite the same? That when you do go through like the bad run that you could say you may be going through recently, the fact that you have... A long-term plan that will eventually give you a lot more cohesion. Does that kind of allow the fan base to be a little bit more, um, or a little bit less apprehensive and a little bit more hopeful, even if results aren't 100% going your way for weeks on end?
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, the club have been terrific in their efforts to, you know, open up with fans. We have. Forums, for example, on, on YouTube with Q and A's, and, and they talk about their overall ambitions for the club. And as I say, I'm, I'm really not trying to pitch other podcasts on your show, but there's there's one with uh, Simon Hallett on on the um, on the Orangey and Chapman show with Simon Hall. It's, it's I can't remember. What. It's a business and sport podcast, but you know it really sets out clearly what the aims of our are, and. Uh, you know, he, he makes it clear from Q and A's with fans that the, the academy is one of the most important things. Now, if you look at Devon, um, you know, if you look at the likes of Ollie Watkins at Exeter or Aston Villa now, sorry, coming from Exeter, you know, the, the location of Argyle is a negative overall in terms of getting players in, but it's also a positive in that there's a, a huge pool of players that you know they can develop and bring and bring through. So. I think that the club have made that clear. The objectives are to bring through academy graduates when they can, uh, you know, one of their own chance, for example, might become more of a common thing, but that, that has been the long-term ambition of the club for a long time. And fans are aware of that. Um, and I think it's easy to buy into when, when that's the case, because you know exactly that, yeah, they might be, you know, losing 2-0 on the pitch, but they're your players that are representing your city and, and they've been there for, for a long time. I mean, We've, we had a, you know, the, I think famously Argyle had a, a goalkeeper crisis a few seasons ago and uh, one of the things that, you know, the positives of it were that, you know, Mike Cooper, who is our now keeper, fans were desperate to see him in action because he was, he'd been fluttering around the, the outskirts of the team for a while. Now he's, in my opinion, one of the best keepers in League One um, and, and, you know, it's, it's been amazing to see his journey come through and if you look at the likes of, you know, Ryan Law, for example, um, who, who could come through as well. It could be a really talented Luke Jeffcott. I think that's, that's you know, it's a clear ambition. So it's it's easy to get on board with because the other thing is if you show loyalty to young players and, and bring them through, if you do go down, which, you know, touch wood, uh, none of us will be doing for a, a good couple of seasons. But if you do go down, then there's every chance he might stick with you as well. Whereas what we've had in the past is, you know, a lot of players come down, for one or two seasons, and as soon as we go, it's abandoned. Chip, um, you know, Sunny Bradley, for example, went uh, off to Luton, uh, and even you know, even McFadden, for example, uh, he wanted to be up closer to family. So it is part of the issue we have. Whereas if you bring through your own, it does kind of combat that local thing, which is a major issue. The the location is a major issue for our girl. and I think the board are being pretty open about how they are going to combat it.
0: Is there a worry that because of how well Ryan Lowe is doing and he is getting that reputation month on month where people are starting to look at him for championship jobs, there's been a few already this season, is there a worry that all of that could unravel if Ryan Lowe goes?
1: I, 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 I don't think so. I think to some extent it may make Argyle less attractive if Ryan Lowe goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think I think he's a pull factor, undoubtedly, to, to play for him. And to play for him, sorry, um, and I think you know he he is uh, he's part and parcel of what comes with you know playing and, and going to Plymouth Argyle. However, what I do think is that Argyle are, are fairly well run, uh, and I don't think you can say the same for a lot of Championship clubs, especially the ones that tend to have a hire and fire policy. Um, not not to name names of clubs, of course, but you know I, I think Ryan Ryan Lowe is a great manager overall, and with that comes research that he would carry out of a club, especially given what happened at his former club. Um, so yes, yes, there's a real, there's a real issue if he goes, but I do think that he's bought into the vision of a club. And I do think that you know, he's extended his contract, his assistant manager. I do think that, you know, if you look at running a club sustainably, uh, not sort of like Forest Green style sustainably, but if you, if you look at running a, a club sustainably, I think our Argyle are a really good, uh, you know, model for that. And I do think that Ryan Lowe is, is bonded it, but also I think that he knows if Argyle lose eight games on a row or nine games at a thirteen, that fans aren't going to be calling for his head, you know, because they can see that they're doing things right and, and the right way. Um, yeah, we drew one each against Burton away from home in the last minute, but it happens when you know you're you're trying to get a to get a win. And yes, we had a freak result against Charlton, but again, the, and I'm not trying to say this in a sort of small club mentality because I do not think for one second that with Argyle or a small club but I think that it's about the the way that um, you know the board have been transparent about it and also the fact that Lowe's been allowed to do what he wants when he wants in terms of overall style and it's going to take time it's going to take um, you know a bit of transition for all the players to to, to buy into that and I think the, the benefit that he has at Argyle is that fans are willing to give him time to do that whereas I don't think you could see the same across some League One clubs. I definitely don't think you can see the same against championship clubs. And I think that job security is also a massive thing for, for any manager at the moment. And as, as I think it was Sir Alex Ferguson, he still any manager if he Salt will do good research about what job he's going to take. So I would hope that Lowe would do the same.
0: Talking about, um, we've really talked up sort of Ryan Lowe here, and, and then I've realised that he, he's got quite an extensive history with Callum McFadden, who you mentioned sort of previously, obviously being at... A Berry obviously spent last season at Plymouth Argyle. Um, I'll make no bones about it; he's been criticised an awful lot throughout his time at Sunderland this season. And he's—I would definitely say—he's one of the players that has not really impressed, if, if I'm being kind this season. But but what did Plymouth fans make of his time down south? Because he got promotion with you, so
1: yeah, it, it was a strange one because a lot of Argyle fans really took to him. And I have to be honest, I I didn't. Um, now he was a great attacking player. You know, he, he was he was good going forward. Um, you know, and in sort of in the sort of league League two, I think we were in at the time where, where he was going forward. He was you know definitely an impressive um impressive footballer uh, for us. He didn't really hit the heights, I think, that certain people thought he would in terms of you know the, the way he performed overall, and he was at fault a lot defensively which Hmm. you know didn't really help us now the way we were playing i mean you're you're laughing so i've clearly resonated (laughs) with something that (laughs) sundown fans are saying as well the the way we were playing was was arguably too expansive and and left them a bit high and dry so yeah i mean i'll be totally honest i wasn't the biggest fan of him uh, when he was at argyle i felt like especially in, in away games he was great offensively but left us overly exposed um and you know, I think as well we had—I'm uh, pretty sure we had Gareth Sawyer at the same the same time, um, you know, a left back as well. Uh, I'm pretty sure we may have coincided, but um, you know, I was—I'm always one for a more slightly defensive defender. Ironically, so yeah, that, that was the way I, I kind of thought about it. It's
0: funny with McFadden—you said he left us left us high and dry going backwards, and it's that's why I was laughing. I think that will resonate quite quite loudly and clearly with Sunderland fans who have experienced the exact same um but funnily enough one player that's probably impressed less than Callum McFadgin which is not many of them is um that's also in our books and and former Plymouth is uh is Remy Matthews but obviously we spoke off we spoke off air um he's not won us over at all like (laughs) in any way shapes as a form but he's he's a bit of a hero down in Plymouth like what what's going on here yeah, I mean, again, the the sweet prince Remy Matthews, who I will hear
1: no ill of. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he 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 just basically he came on on loan with Argyle under uh, I think it was under the Adams uh, Derek Adams season, and um, you know, I mean, it, I think as well a lot of the, the time with a loney keeper. Now this sounds like a really um, <laughs> a really silly way of sort of saying it, but a lot of the time they're they can sort of be improved by who actually replaces them. Um, so, so, I mean, but, yeah. but, uh, because you look back on the legacy of it and you go, uh, well, yeah, what we had was actually great. Now, we had Matt Macy after, um, who's now the Hibs. Hibs. We had Matt Macy come after Ray Matthews and he just didn't have the same same sort of level of height. So, no, Ray Matthew, I mean, he, he was one that our girl fans were desperate to have back, absolutely desperate to have back. I mean, to the point of where I was on sort of the I think he's Argyle Live now, but you know, our gales sort or of herald um, checking every single day if he was if he was going to sign for us. Became he, he came on loan basically in, in twenty seventeen, uh, and then kind of expanded in 2017-18 for us, and that and that is basically it. Really, he, he put in great performances, um, you know, and and he was he was absolutely loved down here. I I, I, or I say down here like you know that that was a season where we had um we had Luke McCormick, uh, Kyle Leverin, we had um we signed a boy from Robert to Loki or something like that. And then Remy Matthews came in on loan and, and basically made it, made it his own. So, I mean, yeah, he was part of a team that got Argyle promoted. And I think, you know, as I say, the, the next season, I'm pretty sure Matt Macy was the one that came in. And, you know, a lot of the time a leg save a loan keeper is secured by who replaces him. And it certainly wasn't a, a, you know, I think after that, we had Alex Palmer as well, who, I think West Brom, and none of them were, were as good in our eyes. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I actually think some should play him against Argyle just for just for the banter, just to let us, let us have a moment to at least celebrate, even if we lose, seeing, seeing
0: the sweet man again. I think, if, uh, I think there might be a, an implosion if Raymond Matthews plays on Saturday. Because, like I say, I'm, I'll be as kind as I possibly can be because he is a man at the end of the day. He is a man, um, a human being, but... It's fair to say he's chucked in like one goal every game I think that he's played for us. Um, so so you, I don't think you'll get the wish on Saturday. It's thankfully for us. Thankfully for us. Um, in terms of the players that you've got just now, obviously the obvious one is with one we touched on is, is Jeffcott. Um Goals stick out a mile off when you're an opposition fan and, and you're looking at other teams. But outside of Cott, which sort of players would you think Sunderland fans should be most concerned by? i mean
1: i think Danny Mayer is pretty integral to to everything that Argyle do um you know now a lot of a lot of the Argyle fans get slightly frustrated by by Mayer in terms of you know his his perhaps his goals aren't you know quite the heights that we would expect, but you know his his play off the ball and his play can, these things he can create are i mean I would say it's like McGee delight almost, you know, in, in terms of, um, you know, the work great Endeavour and, endeavor. and, and at that moment of flair, which fans, which fans enjoy. I, I think one of the, one of the, you know, the most essential players for, for Argyle at the moment, um, you know, would, would be Joe Edwards, without a doubt, you know, I think he scored against, um, he scored against Sunderland as well. He yeah. scored some really big goals for us. He's integral to almost everything we, we do. He can play, he's versatile, he can play almost anywhere in the pitch. He's got a like Good, good shot on him. Um, pr- pretty integral to the team overall. Uh, you know, clear leader, even just from from looking at things. You know, uh, passes the eye test almost every week. So I'd say him as well. And then up top, you obviously you've touched on Jeff but we've also got Nile Ennis who's coming through, and he's he's been he's been in pretty good form. He scored a few against Blackpool. Um, you know, he, he looks pretty sharp. He looks he, he looks kind of the real deal, to be honest. There. Uh, I think you are Argyle fans are you know, salivating the prospect of him being the next sort of Wright-Phillips slash Ebanks-Blake thing, which you know I think I is really high praise and probably won't come to fruition. But he's, he's certainly an exciting player. Um, and the other one to look out for is Ryan Hardy as well. I mean, I know we're, I'm just talking about the offensive players here as much as so you just have a strike force. But Hardy is, is you know, I, I think you'll probably know from his, his time up here in Scotland as which, well. But I mean, yeah. He's a bit of, bit of a workhorse in terms of the the, the amount he creates for his teams. You know, he'll he'll run he'll he'll run till he's uh till he's blown in the face. And uh, yeah, he, he's I think he's got six or seven assists this season as well. So he, he's certainly one that can lead the line well. I mean, I think uh, you know Kamara as well could could be quite you know I think that midfield battle is going to be quite interesting. Um, and yeah, I, I would certainly I certainly think that you know um, in terms of you know Kamara and and, and also the, the way that Argyle play at home it's... But this is the thing. I, I I think that teams must come to down to home park, and just know that no matter what the score is, a team's just going to keep attacking them. And it, I mean, even if you know it's a case where they're playing counter-attacking football, it's just hard to stop because they will just keep going and playing the same system and playing the same way. You won't get sort of long. You you know you'll get some obviously long balls and stuff. But it's always going to be that expansive attacking football in from the wings. Um, so, yeah, I mean, obviously with that comes the sort of danger men, which hopefully I can outline there.
0: In terms of the other way around, it feels like Sunderland don't have any good players anymore, but obviously I'm in a mood with them. So I'm going to say that um, that's probably not the case. We, I, I don't want to say we desperately need to win, but I think we do not just to qualify for getting into the playoffs, but also just to get some momentum going into the playoffs, because we'll probably scrape in anyway based on the failings of other League One teams. Um, so going into the game on Saturday, it's kind of a win that we sort of need just for confidence, really. So which sort of players do you think could be the difference makers from our side? Like where could we damage you? Which ones on paper are the ones that worry the most?
1: Yeah, so I mean, obviously you talked about going for... Strikers and the goals stand out for opposition fans. So I mean, Charlie Wyke obviously is a, <laughs> the obvious name. I got on the how many twenty odd goals he's got for years on this season. I think he's um, third. So, I mean, I, think. I say that just from well, there you go. So the amount of times I just see him crop up on Soccer Saturday, I'm like, well, there you go. Uh, certainly, uh, the main danger man. I think you know I've always liked Max Power. I've always always liked him ever since he was at Tranmere as well. And I do think that that left side. Um, you know with with Ryan Law is a, a great exciting talent but he's he's relatively new to the team so i think there could be some joy there as well um you know if you were to go down there i've, I've always liked um uh, london gooch as well decent decent you know solid performer for i think you know Aiden McGuidey as well, obviously, but yeah, I'm not, I'm actually not too sure. Is, is, is he, I think he's playing style. Is he in, injured? He had a um, but you bruised know, obviously, foot, but
0: he's he's back. He's uh, he had a bruised foot, but, but he played against Blackpool, Bazales, and against African, I think. So he should be fit on this, but then Johnson did yeah. allude, allude to a couple of injuries, so maybe he's one of them. I don't know.
1: I mean, for me, especially with following Scottish football as well, I mean the man needs no introduction up here in terms no. of, you know, his, his overall performance and the things he can do are, you know, incredible. And I think, you know, even, I, I, I apologize, I'm going to show my lack of Sunderland knowledge here, but I recall there was a time he was out, you know, I can't remember your manager it was trying to chuck him into the under, 20, under 23s or whatever and Sunderland just kind of, yeah, Parkinson, and they just dropped like a bloody stone and then he came back and, you know, it's like a new player for you. And I do think that McGee Day is, is one that, you know, any side, regardless of how who we're playing or you know, what what we're up against, he's just someone that can punish you with a, a moment of you know magic, where it be from a dead ball or from turning someone inside out. So I mean, yeah, just just on paper, um, you know, they're the ones that stand out for me. But I do think that um, if if you you know Sunderland are going to win this game, then you know it'll be Argyle pretty expansive and they'll be maybe exposed at the back and there could be some joy on, on those wide areas. So um, that would be my my call for it because. I think when we, we came and played in January, it was, you know, it's actually not, it's kind of a snatch and grab almost, which is mm-hmm. unlike our this season and unlike Argyle under, under low. Um, and I think that was maybe just, t- you know, testament to how sun- Sunderland at the time were also flying, it, I recall. So, you know, it could actually be a reverse of that almost. Um, but yes, it should be a, certainly an interesting game.
0: So last but not least, as always, my, my prediction. Um, I'll go with first because I started doing that this season. I've only got two right this season, which is horrendous form for me. Um, I got it wrong last weekend. I'll probably get it wrong again. Um, I'm not feeling confident, but then again, I don't think we'll get beat. So I'll take a, a really boring standard 1-1. One, one. But what would your prediction be before I let you go?
1: So the... Yeah, I, this is the one I was. I was kind of like I should write this down because I'll just make it up on the hoof. So the thing I wrote was just goals. I just think this game has got goals in it. Now the reason being that I think I don't think I'm not going to say that a footballer is going to be on the beach. Argyle are mathematically safe, uh, and Sunderland have got it all to do in terms of you know what what they what they want to to achieve this season. That being said, I think Argyle can beat anyone at home just the way they. play. Play and 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 the sort of the home form and and also the fact that Lowe's made it quite clear that he wants home park to be a, f- a fortress, and taking into account the journey as well. So I, I I'm going to go with an ambitious. I can't not say Argyle going to win it. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to go with an ambitious three-two. But to be honest, I do think it's one where the first goal is the most important, and I think whoever scores the first goal will will win it. Um, but I, I'm going to go three 2 Argyle and potentially. My, my boldest prediction would be a 3-0 up to come back to, to 3-2 and a, a tense finish but that just depends how much the black because also I mean Argyle haven't played midweek and Sunderland have so it yeah. depends how draining that defeat has is, is actually been as well um, but I mean that also implies that you know there's a lot to play for on the last day of the or pretty much the last home game of the season for Argyle which let's be honest there isn't so you never know
0: Perfect Stephen thanks very much for joining me mate appreciate it um I would love yeah, to no say worries. that I'm confident going in to Saturday, but I'm not. Um, but I'm sure we'll we'll rekindle after Saturday and, and tell each other how bad each other's teams are, which is standard League One form, I think, these days. But appreciate you coming on, mate. Thank you very much.
1: Yeah, no worries. I would love to say that um I, I hope that you you kind of go go up. But from a totally selfish point of view, from a League One point of view and from a selfish point of view, I think given the season that you know we've had a full sold out home park with Sunderland fans there would be pretty good next season and also from a, a Northern Argyle following point of view and with a sort of football hat on as well, the idea of playing at, uh, you know, going to the Stadium of Light as a, as a fan and also uh, you know, being having a relatively local game is is quite appealing so I, I don't really know how to leave it with you apart from hope it's a good game <laughs> and yeah, I think, you know, if you go up great and if, if not, then also great I think, to be honest, I think a lot of League One clubs must be like that. A lot of League One clubs must be open. Mm-hmm. Not for the the banter and sort of Sunderland to I die Netflix series, which probably won't happen, but more for the you know, if you take this season and how big Sunderland would be for the league when it could sell tickets, I would I would take you staying down. But don't don't at me Sunderland fans, please. <laughs>